0: Telling and Tammy stories on some of them, and many of them suffer a lot. You wouldn't believe it while you're there. They're all full of joy, all full of happiness, and excited, always willing to help, always a blessing. Uh, this time we didn't have a major project, so it was probably one of the more relaxed. This is my third trip to Chiapas. Um, First time we worked on the ranch, uh, laid out a landscape there. The second time we worked on the dentist compound, did a landscape there. This time I just trimmed trees. Uh, Annette got to go with the kids and teach. Uh, Amy did some teaching with the kids. Han did math with some of the older kids. I actually got my saddle out and challenged them a little bit. On climbing trees. Some of the guys here know what that's like. (laughs) And the one that had probably the most hard time was Chuck. (laughs) Chuck has got more than enough strength. He just got to get the technique right. Uh, And, you know, on the way home, Pastor Dale asked us what the highlight was. Well, you start thinking about all the good things that you did. Uh, I think the greatest highlight was the two evenings we spent in, uh, Bill and Tammy's front room and prayed for each other. There was a lot of good words that the Lord gave each of us. Uh, it was a great blessing. There's much to come for all of us. Uh, and I can't wait to see what it will be like. Uh, we got to do things that the men are going down there and the church are going to have a father-son camp out coming up. So we worked a little bit on their campgrounds. Uh, they have a pathway that they go down and they want to set up areas for prayer. They also have uh, one of these rope bridges that flip over on you across the creek and stuff and ropes to jump with and all kinds of challenges set up along this trail. That's one of the upcoming events. Bill and Tammy are constantly got something going. It's hard to even stop and talk to them during the day. (laughs) But I think what I'd like to do more than anything else, encourage each and every one of you to at least make one trip on a mission anywhere. Uh, I've been lucky to go also to Heidi and Conrad's and... Each and every time I've gone on a missions trip, it's been a very strong and powerful uh, experience. Uh, I think they asked me because any of these others would talk for hours. (laughs) Miss Annette couldn't stop in five minutes, I know. (laughs) Robert, nah. (laughs) It'd take him days to get done. (laughs) But there is much to be enjoyed as well as a lot of hard work on each and every mission. And I am very thankful that we get to go on them.
1: Pray with me for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that we have in him and for that great exchange. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And we just thank you you loved us enough to give your only begotten son that we might have salvation in him. And so Father God, We sit and we listen to your word, Father God, not just to hear it, Father God, but that we might internalize it and activate it in our lives and become doers of it to your glory. So open up our ears of understanding, Father God, and that we might see the truth of what is being shared and make the principles of it a living reality in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh today is part two of when the will of God is hard. When the will of God is hard. And if you were here last week, you remember that we went through the first couple of chapters of Jonah in which God's command was clear there was no doubt that God wanted him to go to Nineveh and he wanted him to share the word of God with the Ninevites that they might hear and repent and the man of God was so excited about that opportunity he just jumped on it, right? (laughs) well, no, he did not as a matter of fact, he rebelled and he rebelled hard And we found out that there are consequences to walking outside of the will of God, right? And we learned that those consequences don't just fall upon the person who is disobedient and in rebellion, everybody in your orbit also is impacted and they suffer consequences. Uh, for example, the sailors. I didn't emphasize this point last week, but I, I want to point it out this week because I feel it's important. Not only did they fear for their lives, not only did they encounter the fierce storm, only one guy was rebellious, right? Jonah. But everybody on that ship's life was in jeopardy because of the storm, right? And, and so, they didn't know that they were aiding and abetting rebellion they met this dude be careful be careful who you let into your life All right. be careful partnering with people and doing something that may not be of the Lord but they didn't know they agreed to give the man a ride next thing you know they're they're in peril and here's the thing they went to Joppa to pick up goods so that they can sell those goods somewhere else so And what did they end up having to do because of the storm? Because they were afraid for their lives? They ended up throwing all those goods off the boat to lighten the weight in order to help them, give them a better chance to survive the ordeal. So Jonah's rebellion cost them money. It cost them profit. It cost them a lot. And it almost cost them their lives, right? And so it didn't really, as a matter of fact, it cost them more than it cost him if you really think about it and I gave you testimony of how in my life people who were close and dear to me suffered the storm that was in my life but they were affected by it because they were in my orbit we don't live life in a vacuum do not we cannot lie to ourselves and feel like well this doesn't affect anybody but me that's not true and I pointed out and we're going to move on eventually but I pointed out that oftentimes I've heard people talk about when they preach about this story that Jonah was prideful and I agree with that he was prideful in that he was wise in his own eyes and thought that he knew better than God what needed to be done to the Ninevites but but that's the, that's the fruit of the tree, that's the manifestation, that's the easy thing to see. But what is the root of that? What got him to that place to where he would openly rebel against God and be unwilling to go and share the word with the Ninevites was and we talked about it being bitterness. We talked about him. He was prejudiced against the Ninevites because of consequences. That the people of God that he and his family suffered at their hands and so he wanted God to lay the smack down on them he wanted God to judge them he wanted God to give them the consequences of their actions and if God had told him that he was going to do that he would have waved the pom-poms and celebrated And I thought about how awesome, you know, well, I just wanted to point out again that God knew Jonah's heart towards those people. And he knew how hard it would be for him to go to those people with the word of God and give them an opportunity to repent. And yet God told him, picked him to go anyway. Talk about when God's will is hard going to the very ones that hurt you, going to the, the, the very ones that, that were against you, the, the, the very ones that abused you in some way, and, and finding a way to obey God and to share the, the, the truth of God and to love them anyway, it doesn't get much harder than that. And if you think God won't command you to do the hard thing, you're fooling yourself. God knew his heart, and God told him to do it anyway. And I I shared a scripture last week. I'm sorry, y'all. I know I'm repeating a lot who were here last week, but it's important for those that weren't. That the scripture that says God will not give you more than you can bear, but along with it will provide a way of escape. Some of us might think this is more than I can bear. I cannot do this. I cannot Love that person that has hurt me so badly. I cannot do this, Lord. But you still need to be healed in your heart, right? You still need to be made whole there. And you know what the way of escape oftentimes is? To go through the very thing we don't want to go through. The way of escape isn't avoidance, okay? The way of escape isn't running from, like Jonah tried to do. The way of escape has been marked out by God. And it is our lot. It is our duty to walk the path God has marked out for us. No matter how hard that path may be, that God's will may be accomplished. Amen? And so, there are consequences. And we need to be mindful and thoughtful constantly, every day. Lord, what is your will for me today? What is your plan for me today We have to be mindful of that. We have to meditate on that. We have to constantly ask him that. Because th- then our steps can be ordered of the Lord. They're not random. They're not based on any whim or feeling that we have, but we're in God's will and we're we'll accomplish it and we'll be able to accomplish his kingdom purposes. Are you hearing me? And we pointed out that you know that Jonah had some deep-rooted bitterness because he was, he had an opportunity when the fishermen or the sailors or the mariners, however you want to call them, when he confessed to them the reason they were going through what they were going through, and they had, they wondered, what is the thing that, what's the right thing that we should do? and they asked Jonah and if Jonah had been of a mindset if he had been repenting at that point he would have said take me back to the point where my rebellion began take me back to Joppa so that I can correct the error of my ways right there and head to Nineveh no he didn't do that he said throw me overboard right here in the middle of the sea and it'll be over with for you well it'll be over for both of us because I'd rather die here in the sea than to go do what God wants me to do that that's, that, that's where he was at I die before I go there and God did not let that happen the further evidence of his deep rooted bitterness is that he got swallowed up by a fish in the sea and it took him 72 hours to finally come to himself and repent now I don't know about you but if I've been tossed into the sea and I'm swallowed up and I'm in the belly of the fish it's going to take me a lot less than 72 hours for me to finally repent and cry out to God and say okay I give up (laughs) alright Lord I'll do what you want me to do it took him 72 hours to come to that it might have taken me 72 seconds I I would hope that's all it would take and it's easy I know it's easy to read these stories and say oh man this dude's an idiot I would have done XYZ and then I remember a lot of decisions I made in my life and I, and I realized, okay, Lord, I, <laughs> I might have done the same dumb stuff. And then he finally repented and said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercies, but I will sacrifice unto thee what I have vowed I will pay. The man of God finally came to himself and said, Lord, salvation isn't my call. Who, who, who gets it and who doesn't? It's on you. Um, but I made a commitment to walk with you, to obey you. What I have vowed, I will pay. I will do your will. the mariners tried to row him back to Joppa after he said, throw me overboard and God wouldn't let them do it because other people can't repent for you. God did not let them do it because he would have been just as rebellious on dry land as he was in the sea. So, God put them in a situation where they had to do what the man of God told them to do. God had provision for it. He had the fish there. Jonah couldn't run. Jonah couldn't do anything. He had to sit there and let God deal with him. And once he repented, God had the fish put him out on dry land. And that takes us to today. We're going to finish up those last couple of chapters, but I want to start with the verse in Colossians chapter three, verses twenty-two to twenty-five. I'm reading out of ESV translation, bond servants. You are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. It says twice here, you are serving the Lord. You are serving his will. You are serving his plan, his purpose for your life. Amen? Not ours. It's not for us to come up with what we want to do and then ask the Lord to bless it. But as disciples of Christ Jesus, we ought to follow his example and say, not my will, but thine, O Lord. And I got to thinking, As we're as we're getting into chapter three, but I got to thinking, Jonah isn't the only one that God asked to do hard things. When you think about it, how hard must have it been? Must it have been for Noah, when God said, "I'm going to make something happen that nobody ever saw before. Rain's going to come from this this stuff called rain's going to come from the sky, and I'm going to flood the earth. I want you to build an ark." In front of everybody, I want you to look like a fool for me. And when people ask questions, what are you doing there? I'm building an ark. What's an ark? Well, it's, you know, let me explain this. This big boat, it floats on the water. It's for when it rains. What's rain? And it'll be able to float in the water when God makes it flood. What's a flood? And nobody knew any of this stuff. And he's obeying God in it, right? Imagine how the conversation must have gone between Abram and Sarai when he told, hey, honey, God's calling me to relocate away from our family. He's got another place for us oh okay where is that place well, what is that place I don't know where is that place I don't know But well, what are we going to do I don't know uh, imagine how hard it must have been for Miss Abram to get on board with that wait a minute I'm going to be uprooted from my family and, every, and the place I grew up and, and, and everybody that I know and we're going to go somewhere we don't know where we're going to end up. We don't know what we're going to do. I don't like the sound of that. That's not a plan to me. And yet, it's hard. You can imagine how hard that would be. A lot of us don't like to move from one side of town to the other. I know how that conversation might go if I went to Christie with that. Yeah, sweetheart. God just said, "Head west." <laughs> How far west? I don't know. We got to sell the house. We got to uproot the kids. We're just going to go west until God gives further instructions. That I can guarantee you, there would be intense moments of fellowship between me and Mrs. Cannon over that issue, and you know, and and and, 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 and it fair, rightly so. You know, we have to work through those things. And together, if it's God's will, we'll find it. We'll get a piece about it. We'll find God's will and we'll move forward. If there is no, there is no peace, then we'll wait till there is peace. <laughs> because I believe if it's God, he'll confirm it. Can you imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Joseph? Imagine that dynamic. betrothed to a man never been with a man but you're pregnant imagine going to the guy you betrothed to and I I promise yeah I'm pregnant I promise I've not cheated on you I've not been with another man he's like but the evidence says otherwise I mean when the will of God is hard. Now, she had to contemplate all these things when the angel of the Lord approached her. And yet, she said, okay, uh, how can that be since I don't, I've never known a man. And he said, well, here's, here's what's going to happen. The, the Holy One is going to come upon you and you're just going to be pregnant with the Son of God. Uh, okay, be it unto me as you have said, <laughs> you know. So, she knew how hard it was going to be the questions, the sneers, the leers and yet she still said be it according to your will O lord god doesn't ask us to do the easy stuff does he so what he asked Jonah to do was hard so I sympathize with Jonah. I recognize his struggle. Let's, let's go to chapter three of Jonah. First verse, this is after he's repented. And I don't, his, his attitude still isn't perfect here. He's not gleefully doing what God wants him to do but he is finally determined that he's going to obey God no matter how he feels about it. And that's important. Are you hearing me? Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. He rebelled the first time. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Yea, Jonah. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. So typical motor travel for that day, it took three days to cross it from one side to the other side. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, I'm visioning. there was no love behind that at all. You know, in 40 days, you people are going to die. Take that. That's all he said. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from this fierce anger so that we may not perish. And when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it you know oftentimes we say man god was mean in the old testament and then he got nice and loving in the new testament no 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 god is the same yesterday today and forever it reminds me of a scripture second peter three nine where it says god is not slack as some count slackness But he's long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. See, Jonah thought God was slacking in his judging duties. But God wasn't slack toward Nineveh. He was long-suffering toward them. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. It wasn't his heart to want to destroy Nineveh. He would rather them be repent. He would rather be able to to bless them and give them salvation. Be careful not to assume that people are beyond help, that people are beyond the point that they can be reached with the gospel. Be careful reaching that conclusion. What's the point? Because you never know. Our duty is to be obedient to the Lord. We take the word of God to people, we preach the truth in love. We do what God tells us to do, we say what God says to say, and we leave the rest to Him. And people are accountable for their own response. But how can they respond if, they, if we don't go and speak what they need to hear? Right? God could have called anybody to go and preach to the Ninevites. He didn't absolutely need Jonah to do it. But I believe he chose Jonah to do it because Jonah needed to do it. God was working in his life in such a way he knew this man, need, this is a threshold he needed to cross. This is an issue he needed to conquer and overcome. He may not have had the best attitude, but he obeyed God and look at the results a national fast, national repentance. And God spared those evil, brutish, bad people in Nineveh. But that also tells me that despite how bad those people were, God still loved them. And we live in a world, (laughs) that's really hard to love sometimes. And like Lot, uh, Abraham's nephew Lot and uh, Sodom, I believe, the Bible says he was vexed by those surroundings in which he lived. He was impacted. He was affected. It it, it affected his heart. It affected his perspective. uh, You know, it, it, it just had a negative impact on him. And we live in a time and in a generation where we, it's easier now for us to be impacted than it ever has been. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of bad messages. There are a lot of agendas that are easy to reach us, not only through TV but through social media and all these different mediums that are out there. And if we're not hard, if we're not careful, our hearts will grow hard and we'll forget the fact that our battle our war is not against flesh and blood but against the principalities and powers against the Satan and his and his cohorts and we'll begin to look at the very people that we ought to be reaching as the enemy and we'll be declaring judgment and so forth we'll be like Jonah wanting God to judge these people when God's heart all right is to love and redeem these people right and so we want to see people as christ sees them and we want to love them with the love of christ amen so we don't want to be clouded and and always walking in condemnation and judgment towards the lost because that's what they are they're lost and they will not be able to see their see the light unless the children of light are doing our jobs and walking as our savior walked and reaching out and loving those people as he would have us do. Amen? So we have to not allow our hearts to be hard. we have to guard our hearts with all diligence as Proverbs 4.23 says. Let's finish up. Let's go to Jonah 4. Now, I don't know of another time in the Bible where the man of God, let me count them, preaches an eight word sermon and 120,000 people get saved. This is a national repentance here, right? This is the kind of response you dream of as a servant of the Lord, as a man or a woman of God. This is the kind of response that you dream of. Transforming a community, transforming a city, transforming a nation with the, God, with the good news. Amen? And here we have, after this great thing happens, chapter 4 starts off with, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. That's why it doesn't do it justice to just say he was prideful. No, 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 no. You're not that passionate about something like this if it's just pride. There was deep rooted bitterness and unforgiveness prejudice toward those people that was motivating jonah and in verse two and he prayed to the lord get this and said oh lord is not this what i said when i was yet in my country that is why i made haste to flee to tarshish for i knew that you are a gracious god and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster i knew this therefore now O lord please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live remember what I said when he said throw me overboard this this here helps put that in perspective that he would rather have died than to do what god wanted him to do and he's saying lord just take my life take me from here and the lord said do you do well to be angry? Think about it. They say, Jonah basically saying, you, Do you think you're right to be angry about this? Do you? Jonah didn't answer his question. He left, he went out of the city. And sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. I think he held out hope that they would still end up destroyed. He was over there stewing <laughs> in the city. Who knows, maybe my dream would still come true. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah and it might, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. Tell you what, boy, God is no joke. (laughs) Man. (laughs) When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and he asked that he might die (laughs) again and he asked that he might die and said it would be better for me to die than to live Uh, I believe that Jonah doing what he did felt like it was a betrayal of his people of his family of himself because it's hard to come to grips with you know, how do you look people in the face who have suffered at the hands of these people and say, you have been used as a vessel of God to preach to these people that they and they repented and you helped them spare suffering the consequences of what they did to you? Think about that. That's why, while I point it out, I do not do it from really a point of judgment. You know, I, I just like to try to dig deep and, 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 and figure out what's driving this individual. <laughs> what motivated his choices? What, what, what's driving his attitude here? Because it, it helps to give perspective that I believe can help us related to our current lives there are things in there you know we can't relate to a fish being swallowed up by a fish I hope to never be swallowed up by a fish and I don't expect to survive the encounter if I do there are certain details that while they're easy for us to grab a hold of you know they're not necessarily duplicable like I said last week but there are still undergirding principles. There are still things that are common to life. There are things that are relevant that we can draw from these experiences that we're reading about in the Bible and that, that are relative to us today that, that we can learn from and apply them, right? Or avoid them if it's on the, out, you know, if it's on the bad scale. And so that's why he's coming up with such extreme Solutions. He wants to die. Because he feels like a traitor. He feels like he's betrayed his people. Verse 9 But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor. Nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? So he brought that plan up and took it down as an object lesson to Jonah. Jonah. Jonah loved that plant. He was sad to see it go. And God's just, he's got, him on the, he's got him on the hook, and he's working him. And he said, look, this plant came up in a day, went down in a day. You had nothing to do with it growing. You had nothing really invested in this thing. You didn't create it. You didn't grow it. And yet, you were sad to see it go. Imagine me and the people of Nineveh. Now you get a glimpse of my heart. Why it's hard for me to make the decision to just summarily destroy people without giving them an opportunity to repent and make things right. Their response is on them. There may come a time they'll slip back into that. But for now, I'm calling on you, man of God, to do my will as hard as it is for you because I still love those people that you despise and my heart is to spare them. God loves each and every One of us. He has a plan for each and every one of our lives. You're sitting in the pew today. Your plan, his plan for you, may not be standing here where I'm standing, but rest assured, he has a plan for your life. You have a purpose for existing. You have a purpose for living in the times in which you now live. You have a purpose for where you're working, where you're going to school, what community you're living in. God has a purpose, a plan, an assignment for you, and you need to be plugged into him that so, so that you can find what that is and walk in it to the best of your ability. God's grace is there for you. His provision is there for you. you matter you're valuable whether you're sitting here as a Christian this morning or an or an unbeliever who hasn't made that choice yet I pray that you're contemplating even now that you're convicted even now that it's time for you to give your heart to Jesus and make him Lord and Savior of your life. But not only does he have a plan for our lives, he will walk each of us through his plan and provide all of our needs along the way. Are you hearing me? It may be a hard plan. There may be some very tough asks God has of you. But do not be dismayed about that because he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will not ask you to do something that he does not provide the ability to do it. And he will never have you go it alone. He will be there with you every step of the way. There will be times when we suffer pain and loss in the will of God. There will be hardships. There will be trials. But you know what the Bible says? That He'll work all that stuff out for our good somehow, some way. He didn't say it would all feel good, He didn't say it would all be good to us but he said he will work it out for our good. And we'll have to trust him in that. So walking in his will is not always easy. We want it to be, but it isn't. And as I said earlier, it's especially difficult to do in a world that celebrates doing whatever you want to do. And we need to be extra careful to be spending our daily quiet time with the Lord, to be in God's word, to keep our hearts soft toward him so that we are not caught up and and, and lulled and tempted into that worldly attitude of doing whatever you want to do because it's it, it's sneaky it'll sneak up on us and before we know it we're operating in that way and if you feel this morning that in any area of your life you know you've been operating in that way if, if it's been highlighted to you today you can't do anything about the past all right but you can make choices right now in the present you can change course right now you can go you may be in the storm you may have come here in the middle of your storm but you can go back to Joppa with a repentant heart and you can head to Nineveh your Nineveh are you hearing this? The past is what it is. The past cannot be changed. You did what you did. But now is a moment, a pivotal moment for you to change course. There will be always temptation for you to choose the different path, the wide path that leads to destruction. But I would challenge you to choose The straight and narrow path in God's will. Which decision or choice will you make? There are a few things I want to give you just as practical things. That can help you in the hard place you're struggling with what decision to make one question you can ask yourself is which decision or choice will be consistent with the word of God because God will not have you do anything contrary to his word right so if I got choices, I can eliminate certain choices if they're not consistent with God's word. The more choices I can eliminate, all right, the you know the clearer it becomes, clearer my choices are, and the more evident the um, ultimate decision might be. Just eliminate the nonsense by that one standard. And this may seem overly simple, but ask God to help you. God, I need your help. What is your will in this situation? What, what is it I must do? Light my pathway for me. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to just do the thing that appeases me. I want to do the thing that pleases you. Right? This one can be real tricky. It's kind of tricky. But another thing, do you have real peace about it? I say it can be tricky because it sure seemed like Jonah had peace in that boat when the captain came down he was sleeping the bottom of the boat even though the storm was going on but as we read the rest of the story we realize he had he did not have peace in his heart he did not have peace in his soul he was a troubled there was chaos going on inside him and that is what God put his finger on that is what God was trying to deal with the hard heart that God wanted to make soft and pliable that God wanted him to get to a point to where he could repent because it it had blocked his ability to walk in love right and that's what will happen to us if we allow our hearts to get hard then our love will wax cold but do we have real peace about it you know I quote scripture a lot uh, in, in Philippians is, uh, chapter 4 but be not worried or concerned about anything but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds you know and we need to discipline ourselves to that that when we encounter hard things or troubling things that we need to remember that and take it to God and say here God this is this thing is burdening me uh, I'm having trouble man that person is on my last nerve and I'm thinking anything but godly thoughts toward that person and it's bordering on violence but rather than feed that rather than acquiesce to that We need to give it to God. And that's Philippians four. Verses six and seven for if you want it for reference. I would add verses eight and nine to that as well. And and I didn't give these to you, Desiree, but I'm gonna read these anyway. And but it says, Do not be anxious about anything. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so I want to emphasize that last part of that last verse I read. We need to be determined to practice these things. When you get an opportunity, when you're tempted to be anxious and worried about something, then remember Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7. Give it to God. Just put those things into practice. You may be clumsy at first, but as you continue to commit yourself to the practicing of it, you'll get better and better and better at it. It'll become easier for you to do. And you'll find over time, little by little, you'll begin to walk in victory against those things that used to trip you up and uh, you used to fail against over and over and over. Okay? So this, so Jonah is very instructive for us. I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and I'm going to ask you guys to make choices. This message wasn't at any particular individual. If each person will receive, I hope that each person receives what was needed for you to receive from this message. That's between you and God. I'm not going to tell you what to receive. (laughs) That's between you and the Lord. But I will challenge you in this. In whatever it is that God's challenging you, whatever it is that's been highlighted as that thing that that has become your Jonah moment, if you will, where you've been either resistant or rebelling against the Lord. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, you know, if you're a believer here this morning and and it's really been revealed to you. That you have more in common with Jonah than you thought <laughs> at the beginning of the message, and that there is need for you to go back to that point where you made a decision to go away from the will of God and repent and decide you're going to go in the direction God wants you to go in that area of your life. Just confess it. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. All right? And if you are some someone here who is either straight from the Lord or who has never known the Lord, there's a wonderful verse of Scripture that I want to share with you out of Romans 10, 9, and 10, where it says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's all it takes. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God, is Lord and Savior. And you will be transformed from darkness into his marvelous light. From death to life. From the pit to salvation and eternal life with our heavenly father, our creator now you, you may be in a situation where life has swallowed you up a situation has swallowed you up and you're like you're in the belly of a whale and you've stewed in that thing for a while Be not dismayed. God's plan, God's purpose is still real for your life. And all that is needed right now from you while you're in the belly of that situation is for you to repent and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. and say, Lord, I'm not going to fight it anymore. I have put off the decision. I've, you've sent people my way over and over and over again and I've always waited till tomorrow. I've always said it's not time. I've always said I need to get my life right first. I want you to know that is a lie from the pit of hell. You do not need to get your life right first. You just need to come to God as you are. Humbly acknowledging that you're a sinner that needs to be saved by his grace and acknowledge that Christ Jesus is Lord and Savior today is the day of salvation enter ye therein hallelujah hallelujah father God we just thank you so much For the truth of your word, which is the sword of the spirit that divides between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, penetrating our hearts, dealing with us in our innermost being. imparting life into the to the dead or struggling areas of our lives so father we humbly receive the word of truth and i'm going to ask you to really pray to the lord from your own heart and and if this is and if this is your heart you can you can repeat it along with me It doesn't even have to be allowed but I just want you to declare a commitment to God in whatever area is highlighted to you today that you need to give to him that that you need to bring in line with his word and with his will that you will do as Jonah did say Lord I gave my life to Jesus my life belongs to you Along with that, I became a disciple of him. All right? So my life is not my own. My life belongs to you. My life is not subject to my will, but it's subject to your will. And so I commit. When I I accepted Christ, I gave you all of me. I pledge to love you more than mother, father, brother, sister, even my own life. And I pledge to walk in obedience, faith, and trust toward you. So, Father God, in the areas that I have failed to do that, I have, I'm repentant and I am declaring right now what I have vowed, I will pay. If you agree with that, say amen. So, Father God, I just, I thank you for those that have declared amen in agreement, who have committed to you, Father God, to turn around and repent in those areas where they have not obeyed and honored you, and they've committed to walking in your will in those areas. I just thank you for your grace that it will enable them to do so. I thank you for your provision along the way. And I thank you, Father, that as we endeavor to walk in obedience to you, hardships may come, trials may come, all those things that aren't a part of our plan, you will work it all out for our good. Our job is to trust you. So we give you glory and honor and praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you have questions,